0: Hey, people, welcome to the C3 Church Global Podcast. I'm Phil Pringle, and I'm really thankful for you jumping on today. I know that you're going to be blessed. I feel such a joy, honor, and privilege to share the Word of God with people. I know that it builds faith, inspires hearts, and strengthens souls. So let's go to the Word of God. The Lord's Prayer is one of the greatest pieces of literature in the history of writing. And of speaking, Jesus presented this as a pattern for prayer. Let's get it straight. He said, give us this day our daily bread in the middle of the prayer. So obviously it's a daily prayer. He's saying, give us today our daily bread. So it's a prayer we should, it's a prayer pattern we need to pray each day. Also, he said, give us this day our daily bread. That's obviously at the start of the day, not at the end. So the indication is that we need to be praying each day and starting each day with prayer. Scripture in other places says, pray always with all prayer. And this could seem impossible if we were trying to think of being in a prayerful, on our knees, hands together, looking to heaven state of prayer. Can't be done all day long. But prayer isn't meant to be like that. There may be moments when we're like that, but prayer has maybe a thousand different forms in the way that we pray through the day. We can be praying within our own mind. We can be praying quietly under our breath about situations. We can be praying in intercession in a private place with agonizing like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. or We can be just in worship and thanksgiving, but prayer is an action of your spirit. It isn't something that we just say in a religious circumstance. It is an activity of your spiritual life that actually connects you with the air of heaven. Picture one of those those deep sea divers who, with the big helmet, brass helmet on and the suit on goes all the way down to the bottom and they're walking along the bottom, and they have a pipe going up to the surface to get oxygen. That's prayer. We're down here on earth covered in this world of whatever is going on, but we have access through prayer to go all the way into the Holy of Holies where only one person once a year used to be able to go in the Old Testament, but now it's available for all of us to go anytime throughout the day to fellowship with God. And if we can understand that prayer primarily is fellowship with God, it's the relationship we have with our Father in Heaven. And prayer is where we will get answers, where He can talk to us. As we pray, you'll find you'll hear the voice of God. When they prayed in the New Testament, everything happened that they needed to happen. When they prayed in the upper room, the Holy Spirit fell. When Peter was praying on a roof, he got maybe the most important vision that we we have in church history because it opened the doors to all the Gentiles beyond the Jewish community so that all of us are now saved because of that one singular vision that Peter had while he was praying. While they were praying, prison doors were open. The church would pray and Peter got set free from prison. So many things happened when they prayed, And when you and I commit ourselves to a life that is lived in prayer, God will move with us. Refresh that commitment today to pray, to be always giving yourself to prayer. You know, this prayer is in response to when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them. Now, they had seen Him heal the sick, cast out demons, raise dead people. They had seen Him preach to thousands and gather thousands. They had, seen, they had seen Him work miracles like multiplying fishes and loaves and walking on water. I mean they had seen all of this and they could have asked, we want you to teach us how to do that. But that's not what they asked. They said, teach us how to pray. They recognized that the secret to all of those things that Jesus was doing was in that secret place, the place of prayer. So they said, Lord, teach us how to pray and get this kind of power. And I think, wow, while we in our Western mindset organized, get everything done through programs, meetings, and every other way. We're having planning meetings, debrief meetings, board meetings, committee meetings. The most important meeting we could have is a prayer meeting where God could talk to us and we could understand what He's trying to say and lead us to do if we will look to Him. So Jesus is saying, listen, this is really important that you have a life of prayer happening in your world. You'll find that all the heroes of Scripture actually what what birthed their heroism or what birthed their heroic moment was either a prayer or a prophecy that they had and that they spoke out to God. Noah, when he offered up the offering to God, God spoke to him. Abraham interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. Job crying out to God. His whole book is like a prayer. Of complaint and lament to the Lord. Jacob wrestled with God. Samuel sought the Lord right from the early days in the temple. David, thousands of psalms, songs, prayers that he made to God. Daniel, he got into trouble for praying when it was illegal to pray. He passed a law saying you're not allowed to pray. It got him thrown in prison, but he kept praying and he got thrown out, got delivered from the lions. Isaiah, Ezekiel, John, all of them were people of prayer. It is the most powerful weapon you and I have easy access to. Let's not ignore it. You'll find the devil will try and distract you every which way to get away from praying because he knows that's the secret where the power is. There'll always be something else to do. Even while you're praying, walking around the living room, fixing up the curtain, Think, oh, I start painting the wall or cleaning the floor. To just focus on God in prayer and make an exchange of your weakness for His strength and you'll find His wisdom, His guidance coming into your life. Prayer is the foundation stone of all leadership, of all ministry, of the church. Without it, we have nothing. You know, in the New Testament, they didn't have a New Testament. They only had prayer and the apostles' teaching. Gradually, we got the scriptures, but in those early days, they would just seek the Lord. And I think that seeking God and praying has become a lost art in a world where people are searching for better methods while God is searching for better people, servants who will serve Him in prayer. Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13 Jesus answers the disciples saying, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven. <laughs> this this beginning is mind-boggling to me. You say, what's so incredible about that? Well, it is amazing because He says, our Father. And so we could spend an entire session just on that phrase because He's not praying, my Father. So, the entire prayer context from that point, the perspective of the prayer, even though we often don't preach it, it is a corporate prayer. It is a prayer of united people. And even if you're not with those people, you have a mindset that I am with those people. So, from that single word at the beginning, our Father. It goes all the way through, uh, give us this day, our daily bread, forgive us, not forgive me, not give me, Uh, do not lead us, deliver us from the evil one. So there is a sense we are praying together. We're not just praying on our own, although there's nothing wrong with that. And most of us will have a private, secret prayer life if we're ever going to plan to follow Jesus as a disciple, that's essential. However, He is teaching His disciples, I want you to pray, even if you are on your own, with a sense of us. To say our Father means right from the outset, I have to be in good relationship with you. I can't be saying, well, Father, it's me and my friends, but that guy that I hate over there, I'm not praying with him. We actually have to pray out and include the sense of my brothers and sisters. Sometimes I go motorbike riding with a group of guys and we're Christians, so we you know, gather around before we go on the ride and we pray. And uh, we say, Lord, protect us, look after us, and keep us safe and uh, help us have a good time, whatever. How weird would it be if I, in the middle of that, said, Lord, yeah, look after me. I pray for me that you'll keep me safe. I mean, it's just wrong. And nobody would think of doing that. And yet many of us, our prayers are so self-absorbed and concentrated on us that it misses the point that our prayers need to be good for all of us. If my prayer is only good for me at the expense of others, it hasn't got a lot of chance of being answered. I need to be in unity. The place of unity is the place of power. Jesus said, if two of you agree as touching anything, it will be done by my Father in heaven. So to say our Father is super important. Unity is the basis for authority in prayer. Our Father in heaven. So this begins a series of five statements at the beginning of the prayer that have nothing to do with us. It's about God. It's actually about praying for God, praying that His will is done. So it starts out by recognizing our Father. Now, obviously, He's your Father if you're His child. And so it necessitates that I have been born of God, not just born of the flesh, not just born of my earthly parents, but I have also been born of God. And that happens when I ask Jesus Christ into my life, and I am born again. We're only half alive until we receive Christ and then our spirit is born again because we connect with God in heaven. He is a spirit and we have a spirit and those that spiritual nature connects with God as soon as our sins are cleansed out of our system because they separate us. They sever us from that connection with God. His life is holy life. Our beings are are unholy. We we need to be cleansed from that and accepted into God so that a connection is made. And out of that connection, boom, life comes into our spirit. We're born again. So he, we can say our Father who is in heaven. So what we're wanting to do is to move our mind, our heart, our soul from earth to heaven. Want to get in a place of worship, become mindful of eternity, of heaven, of everything that is above this earthly plane, and understand that everything that is created on earth is first created in heaven. Everything that you can see in the visible world began in the invisible world. Nothing that we can see has not been created that way. It's in the imagination of a man. He designs it and creates it. It's in the heart of God to create a universe it was there before, and then in the invisible, He spoke it, and then it formed in the physical. That is the power of prayer. So then He says, hallowed be Your name. That is the first thought that Jesus brings to the prayer. As I said, the first five things are to do with God. In heaven, hallowed be Your name. That means in a world of blasphemy, we are praying that Your precious name is revered it's held sacred it is hallowed and there are many people who want their name to be respected revered and hallowed but of all the names in all the in all the universe that needs to be hallowed it is god he has given us life he has given us existence he created us he gives us the air to breathe and the emotions to enjoy all the beautiful things of life eyes to see colour, a brain to figure it all out. It's, a, it's, it's breathtaking, mind-boggling. Our Father who is in heaven, worship. We worship You. We hallow Your name. Your kingdom come. Okay, so we live in a world where darkness rules the earth. The kingdom of darkness rules the earth. Bad thoughts, evil, evilness. Depression, death, sickness, diseases, all these things are part of the darkness. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us. And Jesus said, look, when you see demons coming out and the sick getting healed, you know that the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is a celebration of life, joy and victory in the earth. Getting rid of all the darkness, releasing, life and healing, miracles and eternal health into people's lives. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As I said, the first five things of the Lord's prayer are to do with God, praying for God's will to be done, not my will. Dear God, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Most people's prayers begin by just asking for what they want, not even taking the time to worship or to thank God or to enter His presence or to even start to think about what does God want. It's just, I want you to do this for me, God. I want that. Can you make this happen? I'm desperate for this. Maybe if we just left all that on the side and worshipped for a little while and thought about what does God want. And so we're saying your will be done. I am surrendering anew to you. This is every morning. Every day we surrender again to the Lord. Oh, that can be challenging sometimes. I mean, to deny yourself when you want to do something, but you surrender. Oh God, I surrender. And there is the power. Right there, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The earth is full of rebellion, full of disobedience to God, full of ignorance ignorance of God, Just, just pushing against all the things that are right and good But in heaven, it's not like that at all. There's a perfect alignment with fulfilling all that the Father wants. And he is saying, pray for that to happen on earth, just like it does in heaven. Now we get to our prayers. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus said, listen, don't get too obsessed about the future. Just take every day as it comes. One day at a time is enough. So today, Lord, Thank you for all your provision. And to me, it is an amazing thing because throughout the Bible, their perspective is to look to God for everything, to thank God for everything, and to ascribe God's hand and purpose in just about everything that happens. The good, the bad, the, the obscure. They'll say the Lord has arranged this. God has done this. So we need to pray and ask God, please give us today our daily bread. And it's a, it's, I love the tone of this, of this prayer. It's, it's not pleading. It's not crawling. It is demanding almost. It is a statement. Give us today our daily bread. And it is an expectation that this is what God would do. As a responsible father, he will give daily bread. Now, that word bread doesn't just mean bread, obviously. Otherwise, you'd only get bread from God. No butter, no jam, no whatever, meat. It is talking about food in general, but even wider than that. It's talking about all the essentials of life. What is the basic essential of, uh, of living? It's bread. And he's saying all the essentials you need, you can ask God for that. Pray for it. And honestly, sometimes I think what we think is essential is too low. I think there are some things like a holiday. It's essential. I think there are some things like a beautiful house for a young couple. It's essential. I mean, if we went to the very uh, raw poverty mindset mindset, Basic would say, well, they don't need that, they need a tent down at the campsite. Wouldn't that do them? I mean, and then somebody said, Well, that'd be ridiculous, but well, where is where is the guide? I think it's in our own faith. What do you believe God can bring into your world? Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. So there's not a lot of time spent on provision, but now it is forgiveness. And this is the point that Jesus repeats later on. So he's saying, accept that you have sinned and ask for forgiveness. I think here the word us is interesting because we can think of, I can think of my sins, but what about the sins of my family? What about the sins of my church? What about the sins of my city? What about the sins of my nation? All the great men and women of God in in times past assumed the responsibility and said, forgive us in the city of Sydney. We have fallen way short of the glory of God. That is what Jesus did. He took our sin on Himself. That's what intercession is. I identify with the people around me and that's when that word us So even though there might be some people who have done some bad things in our circle of friends, Jesus is saying, hey, when you pray, say forgive us and understand what part we played or didn't play and should have played in the whole problem. I think it is a contrite heart and a broken spirit that God draws near to. And if we can regularly, this is a daily prayer. It's repentance on a daily basis. Forgive us our sins. And then He says, as we forgive our debtors, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, every day of my life, most every morning, I would say, dear God, I forgive everybody, everything I've ever done. I don't want to go one 24-hour period holding on to grudges. And I find those grudges sneak up on you. I'm, I'm in the church world. I'm... I'm leading uh, Christians, pastors, and many people. Uh, uh, when they see that you're doing a reasonable job, they become critics. They, 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 they don't necessarily congratulate you. They will attack you. And uh, many times these are fellow believers, which is unfortunate. So sad. But uh, I think, well, I forgive them. In fact, Jesus in another place says pray for them who curse you, who despitefully use you. So I pray for them. Pray, God bless it. And that is not easy sometimes, but it unloads my heart of a heavy grudge. So to keep a buoyant spirit, a joyful heart, you got to unload the things that drown you. And you can do it. And to do it from the heart, I mean, it's one thing to just say it, but to do it from the heart and then to do it again tomorrow with the same people. And then the next day, That is a regular lifestyle uh, thing that Jesus is asking us to do. Just be forgiving. A person who lets these things go. Verse 13, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This honestly is one of the most challenging scriptures for me to try and understand. But the basic message of it I find, is that we are saying to God, don't let us find ourselves following a temptation because the evil one has gained access to our lives to haul us off into a dangerous position. And because God will not override our will, He he has given us our free will to use, it's not like He's going to actually Force us to not do the wrong thing. Force us out of the tempting situation. He's saying, as you make the right choices, I am going to lead you out and not lead you in. You're going to find yourself free by the Spirit of God to actually be loosed from all temptation and set free from the torment and the oppression and the ensnaring of the devil. The final part of this prayer is for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen so jesus teaches us to finish our prayers the same way that we started with a focus on god in heaven so that he is first and he is last he is the he's the beginning and the ending of our whole of existence and he is saying yours is the kingdom not mine even though god puts uh, businesses organizations families churches in our stewardship, in our control, with giving us authority, we must always remember it's not ours. It's His. I am a steward before God to look after what He has put in my hand. And then it's the power. The power is this. If I am working on my power, trying to build a spiritual kingdom with my flesh will kill me, will kill anybody. So yours is the power. And as I I trust that power, to be in me, I know I'm going to fulfill a lot of this prayer that I'm praying through your power, Father, not mine. And yours is the credit, the glory forever. Never take the glory. Never accept the credit and let it land on you. Always shed it. Give it away. Uh, if As a leader, you've got to learn that. If somebody gives you the credit, say, oh, you've done an amazing thing. Say, no, it's the team. The team have done amazing. If somebody says the team have made a big mistake, that's when you reverse. You say, hey, no, that's me. My fault. I messed up. I should have done this and I should. So accept blame, give credit. Don't get that mixed up. Give God all the glory. Give God all the praise, all the time for things that you don't even think he was involved in. But you might find when we're in heaven, he had a big hand in a lot of the little details of our lives. And we need to give Him all the praise for the huge things of the universe, our salvation, creation, and the little things that are happening when we just had a small mercy in our life. We escaped something on the road or some blessing came into our house in in an obscure way and we, we wondered, oh, that just was the neighbor. But thank God for everything. Thankfulness is the greatest antidote to entitlement, to complaining. And you're going to find that a thankful heart will keep you in the best shape of all. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Hey, guys. Well, thanks again for listening in today. I love podcasts. That's such a convenient way of learning. Our cars can become a rolling university. We can listen to them while we're running along the beach. And I'd like you to consider increasing that learning by considering C3 College online. It's a accredited leadership and ministry college and will equip you for a life to serve God and to follow Christ. Visit c3college.com for more info. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you again next week on the C3 Church Global Podcast.